Hi, and welcome to EcoGal, The Curious Consumer. I'm Ashley. Today in the EcoGal studio with me are John Patrick and Diane Scher, founding members of the Burns Village Farm, which is a new housing development in Burns, Tennessee. A core group of individuals are trying to preserve farmland and create a neighborhood and provide access to farmland for a new farmer. It is following models of co-housing and agri-hoods. They plan to practice sustainable principles for the construction and maintenance of the property and the farm. Welcome, John, Patrick, and Diane. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So just very excited for this conversation. Uh, so I'm going to start off with what is a co-housing agri-hood? Well, Ashley, I, I kind of lived in one before that those terms were coined. It seemed like my wife and I uh, lived in Northern Virginia. We lived in a co-housing. Um, it was 18 miles from the White House. Both of us worked in the district. And next to it was a farm, Potomac Festival Farms. And it led to a connected life, knowing our neighbors, enjoying great potlucks with, with our neighbors two or three times a week with produce and fruit that were grown right next to us. So when we moved down here for and started farming, we were down here with our grandkids. We're now at a point where, well, how can we duplicate, replicate what we experienced up there? So now we know there's an agrihood term that says it's a development with a agriculture as a focus. The Urban Land Institute says an agrihood is a single family, multifamily, or mixed use communities built with a working farm or community garden as a focus. So that's the definition of an agrihood. Now, co-housing, it's a community designed to foster connection. It has physical spaces, allows neighbors to easily interact with the others just outside their private homes. We say you have privacy at your door, but you have community at your doorstep. Mm. You know, we have, we have common amenities. You know, we have a clubhouse where we can meet and we have these wonderful potlucks and they can hold many different places that bring people together. And collaborative decision making is part of co-housing and that helps build the relationship. It's a little bit deeper HOA. HOA doesn't um, have a relatively good name, it seems like, but uh, we strive for consensus um, in all our decisions. and. Mm -hmm. The community, the way it's designed, fosters that uh, relationship. And how large are these? Well, the co-housing, there's a, there's a sociological magic point there. Somewhere mm -hmm. between 15 households and about 35 households. If you have less than 15 households, there's some households that just don't contribute to keeping up the common areas and building that community relationships that's so important but if you have more than 35 certain clicks seem to start happening and it's more difficult to reach consensus or modified consensus on most decisions that the community is considering and are there many of these that exist today in the united states oh there's over 180 of them actually of course you know we lived in one right there in northern virginia mm -hmm. and that was Let's see, that was built in 2000. So it's been there for over 22 years. Um, now, the agri-hoods, that's a kind of a new phenomenon 
Um, that, that term's only been coined about the last five or six years. There's over 100 of those, mm-hmm. and uh, they're in 27 different states across the country. Well, it sounds like a really smart idea right now when I've heard that a lot of our farmland is going to be turning over in the next 20 years and how important it is for us to be able to capture that for smaller farmers to be able to have these working farms. Well, it it comes out of uh, the big developers, actually. It's really not necessarily for smaller uh, communities, but the big developers are tapping into this local food movement. You know, Mm. we've been to the Richland Farmers Market. There's over 80 vendors there. Mm -hmm. People want to know where their food's coming from. They want the CSAs. They want food with a face. They want to see that farmer that's growing their food. So the developers, instead of building a golf course to attract people to buy their lots, they're putting in a two to five acre farm and people, the people support the farm through their dues Mm -hmm. and they can go over there and dabble if they want to, or they can just support it with the good food that they purchase there. So developers are seeing a trend here that people want to know where their food's coming from. Oh, that's nice. Well, tell me about the property. Well, Diane can tell tell about that. Yeah, I'd like, I'd be glad to. Um, we're really in an unusual situation, and it's extremely fortunate where the property owners actually sought us out and um, reached out to us for uh, in order to preserve their farm. They're a four-generation farm family, mm. and they were looking to use a small part of their farm um, for development, and they want us there, and they're willing to work with us in many ways. And what attracts them about us um, we also have in common with them because we have this, a lot of similar goals. We want a small development, no more than 35 homes, as John had described the reasons why that's the perfect number. And we want it with a farm, which preserves farmland. Mm-hmm. And it's built in harmony with the topography and the nature of the land rather than a cookie cutter development, um, which sacrifices the nature of the property. We have a contract to buy 15 acres, and on the 15 acres, there's a century-old oak that we plan to preserve, and we hope that we'll have picnics there. You know, the Mm. families will be able to have picnics there after work. Um, There are other wooded areas. There's a portion of a creek, and there's a pond, and the natural contours are good for the homes, for placement of the homes, and also a wooded conservation areas while preserving some of the flatter areas for the agriculture. So we had a meeting with our architect a couple of weeks ago and he had described that to us and it made the property come alive with better ways to develop it. And just to give you an idea, um, like if you had a conventional developer, they would just make the property turn into how they can get the most houses possible out of that property. So they really wouldn't preserve the nature. So we have common uh, goals with the property owners. We're able to let them keep their farmland and also um, preserve some farmlands for us and and have some conserved areas for um, nature walks and appreciating and pretty views from our homes. Yeah. Yeah. It is a beautiful property. I got to go visit it yesterday, so I can attest it is uh, it is quite stunning, actually. Um, and not too far from Nashville. It was a pretty easy drive, like 30 minutes, really, from downtown. Easy to access. 
And uh, so you were starting to talk a little bit about the difference from a conventional development uh, as opposed to an agrohood. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So with the conventional development, a lot of times they have a, a clubhouse, like John said, and co-housing, they have a common house. Well, but it's not exactly the same because the common house will have a kitchen for meals for shared meals and a lot of, and that's not really part of what the clubhouse does in the, in a conventional um, co-housing community in a conventional development. Um, they have opportunity to share tools. So like John had said in his co-housing community, they had like four lawnmowers for 20 families and, you know, you could always have one available and you don't have to maintain it. You don't have to buy it yourself. And that's a big thing. And it's like for people that want to live on a farm, but didn't want to do it themselves. And so also the opportunity to know where your food comes from. Um, the common house, often many co-housing places have um, community meals like once or twice a week. And so with 35 households, you have to cook maybe once every three or four months. And then meanwhile, you get meals two or three times a week. Um, And I've heard that's a really, really valued feature. And another thing is you get this sense of community with the different um, generations of family, you know, the older people with the younger people, and Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about your kid running around outside, you know, because it's, the parking is set around the community so that you have um, free and open space to run around and walk and bicycle and all safely. Yeah, that's so a really that nice gives you a few a few ideas of of how it's different. Yeah, but there's also a difference just because I I understand this a little bit now uh, that I'd like you to even delve into. Whereas if I was going to go and buy a house in a conventional development, I really don't get too much. Um, say, right, in the building of it. So that's what I find is very unique about this model is that it's really the people, you guys are taking this forward from really the inception all the way through to the end. Am I correct in how I'm understanding this to be different? Uh, Yeah, I'll answer that. Um, You know, there's some really nice basic patterns for designing co-housing. So that we actually create the environment that nurtures those connections, you know, that network of trust, mm-hmm. you know, so we do have the participation in the design that of the people who are going to be lived there. And now we started that conversation with the architect. So, you know, he, he was my neighbor for seven years mm. in Blueberry Hill. So, you know, how many people get to live next door to the person who designed your house and designed your community? And so he's going to be helping us do the same down here. But he walked the land and also he was listening to us mm-hmm. on what we were thinking. What do we want? And also how to incorporate the agrohood into our community. You don't totally separate them. You know, mm-hmm. they want to be connected somehow. Now, you might not want to be next to the work shed where the tractor starts at seven o'clock. So it is removed, but still, again, you can see it and it's easy access by just walking there. Mm-hmm. So as far as the clubhouse, whenever we uh, start to design that, you know, we're going to design that with the common amenities that we want in that. 
you know, Diane mentioned that we have the a pretty large kitchen, but also the people might want an exercise room in there. So you don't have to have your treadmill in your house. You know, it might be a shelter in place mm-hmm. when if the electricity goes off, we can have that to where it's operational. We might have it with solar panels already on it with Tesla power walls in there. Mm-hmm. So it can be a shelter in place. And also, um, we've had a video room in our common house there in Virginia. We had a um, arts kind of a not woodcraft, but an arts room. So, but it depends on the people who are going to be there. You know, here in Nashville, we might want a soundproof room where people can get in there and <laughs> do some recording. I'm not sure, but we'll we'll mm. see how that works out. But if you have a good clubhouse that decreases the size that you need in your own home. So the homes can be smaller. If you have that large clubhouse over there and you're going to have 20 people over, you Mm -hmm. reserve the clubhouse for that meal. That way you don't have to have a separate dining room in your, in your home. Also, let's talk about some interactions here. Mm -hmm. Most of the houses in a co-housing, their kitchens are up front. And the reason being that people are walking by you and you can tap on the window and say, hey, Jack, come on in. You know, there's a there's a joke that you park in the perimeter and it might take you two beers to get, get to your house <laughs> because people, hey, come on in, John. Let's talk a little bit. Mm. So it, it, it fosters that relationships with the design and it starts with us. What do we want? Yeah. I'd like to add a little bit to that. Mm-hmm. If I may, about you alluded to it also with the sustainable values and the people that are starting this are very steeped. We have environmental backgrounds and we're very much interested in sustainable values and principles. And um, and at, like John said, solar ready or solar panels on the clubhouse um, and also the HOA a lot of people have issues because the HOA in traditional developments will specify routine things that you can't um, stray from. And I happen to be um, a, an aficionado, I guess, <laughs> of native plants. Mm. And so w- one of the issues that the HOAs is that they don't uh, allow for a lot of that um, variety. And so that's just one way that the HOA or the the group would make exceptions and and like you said build their values into the into the development and as opposed mm. to an, a developer just putting their values on as fast as they can to make the economical homes. I love that. That's super important. I think especially today, and I think the sense of community. Uh, or the community rather, not just the sense of it, but is uh, we've seen with the pandemic in particular, how important that was. And um, John, I don't know if you want to share that story that uh, your architect shared um, at the meeting the other day, but I thought that was really. uh, So they couldn't have necessarily have their normal, maybe two meals a week in the clubhouse uh, with the pandemic. But we had a common area where the houses are kind of clustered around a green space. And whenever I was there, it was placed for uh, Friday on the Greenways. 
that's where, you know, it's Friday evening. See, people came home to work. We pulled out the tables, the cheese, and whatever libations we wanted and the fruit. And we just caught up with what happened that week. Well, whenever the pandemic happened, they still had their Greenway meetings, but they were spread out and they weren't sharing <laughs> food. Mm-hmm. So they could still share that community. And uh, Jack, who was my neighbor, yes, he could sit on his back porch and still see his neighbors go by. He could still talk to his neighbors and he, and he already had a relationship with those neighbors mm-hmm. to where they could still interact, but at a distance, uh, a safe distance, distance due to the pandemic. Yeah, that's extremely valuable. Yeah, and I just want to add that, it, like you mentioned the word resiliency, and it's so much more powerful and easier to respond to emergencies or or catastrophes, God forbid, mm-hmm. um, with a community and with a community that knows each other. Then you're always going to be like, what about that person? Where's that person? You know, and we we can all come together and protect each other and help each other. You got more hands and you've got more knowledge of each other. It's like having a big safety net. So that that's very much something that attracts me. I don't have a lot of family in this community, in this area. Mm -hmm. And so this would be my, um, like my family of choice, so to speak, or, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So if someone is interested whether they want to be maybe a farmer or they want to become, you know, a, a part of the community with a residence, how do they reach you? Would you like me to try that? Start with that, John? Sure. Okay. We already have four member households and several explorers, and you can sign up at our website, burnsvillagefarm.com. It's just spelled out all one word, burnsvillagefarm.com. And you can, uh, um, sign up for our newsletter. You can also see our events, like having an introductory sessions session on Wednesday evenings. Uh, we have site tours on Sundays, some Sundays, and you can look for us at the farmer's market, Richard, Richland Park farmer's market on Saturday mornings. We have a booth there and it's always a lot of fun. Um, and then we, also schedule coffees or potlucks and other events to have fun while building our commu- building the community. Uh, you become an explorer. Uh, that gives you an opportunity to get to know us and to get to know the details of the project. And there's a small fee for that. Um, and then that's the first step in the process of becoming a member because you learn about the vision as well as the mechanics of the prop- of the process. Um, so Mm -hmm. that's basically how to do it. You can find John and me any, in a lot of places. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. John, did you want to add anything? No, I think that's a good start for people being an explorer. And that way they, we call it, why don't you just take us for a test drive and, you know, see, is this for you? And you Mm -hmm. learn how these things over 180 of these have started over the past 30 years. So it's it's a well-developed process. We have one here in uh, Nashville, Germantown hmm. Commons on 5th and Taylor. They are the first co-housing in the state of Tennessee. So you know, we do have a what we call a sister community hmm. right here close by. Well, this has been most interesting, and I'm very excited to see how this evolves. And um, 
Yes. Thank you so much for your time. And if there's any other little tidbits you want to add before we finish here. It's just one that I'd heard about that. It's really an old fashioned community with a newfangled name. And mm-hmm. that's what co-housing is because we used to have communities like this, but then somehow we've gotten away from it. So this is a, a way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I just have one small snippet, one, one small snippet I can add, you know, in a way it all comes down to making the world a better place, mm-hmm. you know, connection, um, taking care of the land, security and community support, all draw neighbors to co-housing communities. And here we're trying to protect some farmland on top of that. We say because we love our neighbors, the lifestyles we share and the growth that we experience. So we say an agrihood is preserving farmland one neighborhood at a time. And we hope this is a new model that can be replicated in many different ways. I sure hope that it is as well. Well, thank you both for taking the time today to be on the podcast and share this with our listeners. And um, we look forward to uh, learning or kind of just staying abreast of how this develops. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. Sharing the show or an episode that really resonated with you, with friends or on social media, is always appreciated. For podcast updates, please subscribe at ecogal.tv forward slash subscribe. Graphic elements and logos, courtesy of Linda Cornelius. Audio editing by Danielle Mikesell. Our theme music was created by Taylor Pye. You can find us on Instagram at EcoGal TV. We appreciate your support and we value your time and energy. So we hope you found this useful and of value. Thank you for listening. See you back here soon. And until then, stay curious.